house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Well, good evening, Randall K. Harp here, coming to you live from spectacular, well, Spring Hill, I'll let you know that, with a particular address that's undisclosed. Good evening, people, to kick this off, because music is the thing we do, uh, we'll be listening to the Tov Lachesot Bashem medley by the Liberated Welling Wall, and Tov Lachesot Bashem is better to take refuge in the Lord um, than to put confidence in man is anyway anyway good stuff right alright so let me uh, pop out into there into the interwebs and see what's uh, happening Hello, people there on Periscope coming in, and uh, Facebook viewers, and YouTube viewers, Twitch viewers. I see there's a count of viewers on these platforms, so if you say hello, I know who you are. That's 06 Dogen joined. Oh, the broadcast. Saw you join when I popped over to the. Uh, Periscope broadcast. Somebody watching on Facebook, so please uh, introduce yourself, say hello in the comments, as well as to share this out. Um, this uh, program doesn't have quite the visibility of others. Even we've got thousands of followers on uh, Periscope, thousands of followers on Facebook. Uh, these things get hid in the feeds of things. And so, do us a big favor by sharing this broadcast out so your friends can see it, and maybe they'll get something out of it. You know, I should have had uh, some uh, photos of Grover, our dog, queued up. Not that it's related, but you're probably wondering, hey, where's Stacy Lynn, your sweet and lovable host? Well, she had a meeting to attend right at the top of the hour. Uh, important thing she was called to basically give testimony but it's a professional testimony not a spiritual testimony uh, but just the same it was important she was called to do that uh, uh, called upon to do that in a meeting so uh, at the top of the hour and she's um, you know first on the queue so she had to be there I'm gonna sneeze At least I warned you, I didn't spray, you had time to turn your head and all that, I didn't get anything on the camera. So, nothing going your direction, so wouldn't have gotten on you anyway. Alright, so, Stacy Lynn, she's off, uh, off, she's, she's on most of the time. <laughs> she's on, in another uh, virtual meeting, uh, where she was called upon to give aforementioned testimony. And today happens to be September 20th, which is the natal anniversary, a.k.a. birthday, of our little dog Grover. He's 10 today. Now, I'm fond of saying natal anniversary instead of birthday because, you know, a birthday is the actual day you were born, just like your wedding day. When, when the anniversary of someone's wedding day comes by, we don't say, happy wedding day, happy wedding day, oh, happy 20th wedding day. And they're not getting married for the 20th time, it's the anniversary of the wedding, so we say happy anniversary, which is short for happy wedding anniversary, it's the anniversary of their wedding date. And so similarly, you know, what we're, in English, we're commenting commonly referred to as birthday is the anniversary of the day of our birth so anniversary of the day of your birth sounds a little too there's too many syllables there are too many syllables in that corrected my grammar there are too many many syllables in that so shortened to natal anniversary 
It just seems much more accurate than birthday. My birthday happened once. My natural birthday, my spiritual birthday happened once as well. But, um... Hey, I see people coming in to YouTube and and uh, and Periscope, so say something. Identify yourself. Who goes there? I'm saying hello to you. You need to say hello to me. Well, you don't need to, but, you know, it's only polite, right? All right, so what we're going to do this evening, we have been in the Book of Jude for many weeks. Uh, it's a relatively small epistle. I think it's 20-some verses, but they're powerful, man. They are packed with powerful stuff, powerful truths, and uh, instruction. Uh, definitely, the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit are all over it, because uh, it's just hard to imagine anyone just off the top of their head in their own strength and wisdom um, composing this, or really... Several books in the scriptures just have God's fingerprints all over them. Not just because of not be just because of the content on the surface, the language, but there are <laughs> many layers in terms of its uh, uh, references and, and things like that. And you know, when we look into the the very spellings of things. Sometimes, and I'm not going to get into that, but um, uh, Chuck Missler, the late Chuck Missler, who we recently lost uh, to heaven, he's gone on to glory. Uh, he covers some things and some of his, his teachings, and I can't point you to a particular one, but just some uh, pretty amazing stuff. Um, just for just to be short, and from another person, I'm not sure where he got it from, uh, Greg Kokel. Uh, he taught me that that what makes the scriptures unique can be summed up in five fingers. Um, pinky, little finger, prophecy. Uh, the Bible is a book of prophecy like uh, none other. Uh, because of not only the prophecies it contains, that it's a book of prophetic material, but the ones, the prophecies that have been fulfilled and in quite some detail. Um, we look at the prophecies of the Messiah, uh, and in his first coming, 300-some prophecies all fulfilled, taken in isolation. They're like, eh, big deal, and you're born in Bethlehem. Him and several, you know, tens of thousands of other people over the centuries. Um, called out of Egypt, you know, um, you know, betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, and, you know, and then Psalm 22 describes crucifixion, and then, you know, as we start to narrow it down, apply more than 300 to any being true of any one particular person, it's, it's pretty astronomical. Um, one uh, mathematician by the last name of Stoner, he wasn't a stoner other than last name, but anyway, he described the odds of not even 300, but I think he looked at 100 uh, prophecies being true of any one person um, in all of human history was like um, covering the state of Texas a foot deep in silver dollars, painting one of them red, blindfolding a person, and sending them to wander the state and saying, you've got one chance to, to bend down and pick up the one silver dollar that's painted red. And I forget the one in, you know, one to whatever power odds that is, but it's true. You know, I, I, I was sharing uh, that statistic in uh, jail ministry one time, and I had, uh, just as way of illustration... I thought of some things that might be true of that population, and this was in the um, mid-90s, I guess, so um, um, I don't remember the exact numbers used, but I said, uh, and this was in Southern California, so I said, how many here are native Californians, were born in California, 
and in little more than a hundred inmates in that room that we're using at chapel, I'd say about a third of them raise their hands, you know, 25, 30 some, I didn't take account, but you know, just looking across the room, approximately a third. And I said, okay, how many of you here were born between 1971 and 1986, I think those are the years that I use, and seeing that looking around the room, that, um, uh, you know, people in there were in their, you know, mid-twenties to, you know, whatever, um, you know, this is like the 90s, so mid-90s, so if someone born in 71, um, would have been like 24, 25, right? Something like that, man. Anyway, I said, how many here between the ages of like 21 and 45? I don't remember what I said. And again, just look at the room, pretty good estimation. I'd say almost half went up because I know that's the age of young men are going to get in trouble and end up in jail. That's the age. And then I asked, how many of you have a court date next Tuesday? And um, and a little less than a third went up, hands went up, but it was still, you know, 20-some, I'd say more than a quarter uh, of that room. And I said, okay, now how many of you here were born in California between 1971 and 1986 and have a court date next Tuesday? You'd think, well, okay, well, about a third, almost a third, you know, there'd be, what, 15, 20? No. Three. Three hands went up. Three percent of that room. Things that were pretty common in general to that population, all three of them, all three things were only true of three people. Or was it two? I'm mixed up three, two. But it was... (laughs) less than five it was i think it was two come to remember it i'm kind of picturing the room in my mind now two two uh two percent less than two percent because there were a little more than a hundred in the room three things that are were generally true with the population all three of them applying to any one person was two percent and so less than two percent so imagine 300 some prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the coming Messiah, his first coming, and then being fulfilled by any one person. That's why you can see why. And pooling from just all of human history. That's why the odds are one in whatever. One trillion or whatever they are. I don't remember uh, the mathematician's numbers. Anyway. Hammer strand showed up on a Periscope. I don't know who else. People aren't people aren't putting anything in the chat room. I see people watching, but you're not saying hello. Hey, Twitch viewer. All right. Anyway, so we've been in the Epistle of Jude uh, for some. Oh, I was I got all wrapped up in the. I didn't get past prophecy, Bible prophecy. Ring finger. He's the one with finger with the ring on it. Is about is about you know my wedding band is unity. That although the scriptures uh, consist of uh, sixty six books uh, written on three different continents over a period of um, uh, you know close to uh, two thousand years, they contain a a coherent message. There is the scarlet thread of redemption uh, that runs throughout uh, the scriptures. Uh, big finger. The Bible answers the big questions about life. You know, where do we come from? Where we're we going? Why are we here? That kind of thing. Uh, two, index to history. It's not just a book of spiritual things and philosophies. It's index to history. While not primarily history book, it's not there uh, to as a book of history. What is in, is in it is historically accurate. Um, Bible in the late 19th and early 20th century was a great guide to archaeologists in the Middle East and looking for ancient civilizations. 
and even things that were said to be, you know, make-believe in the Bible, like Jericho and, you know, King David and, you know, in more recent years, evidence of those uh, people and places uh, were discovered, uncovered. And so the Bible is a book, uh, it's an index to history. And thumb, thumbs up, survivor, you think of, you know, in the Roman Colosseum, if uh, if someone was to live, you know, the gladiator had the sword to somebody's throat, say, you know, let him live, or no, let him die. But the, the Bible is a survivor, thumbs up. Uh, many attempts to destroy it throughout the years. Um, I won't go into the list, but here it survives in all this time uh, against all odds. So the Bible is a book that has God's fingerprints all over it. It's uh, supernaturally preserved. And speaking of um, preservation, uh, that's one of our topics is we get into uh, Jude tonight. And we've been in the book of Jude for several weeks. And so I am, whoops, I'm pulled the wrong tab here. That's what I wanted right there. And rather than give a summary of where we've been, I'm just going to read down to where we currently are. And that is verse 20. And um, and before we read, I am going to ask for the Lord's guidance and, and revelation as we read. But I need to get the... Oh, that's the wrong one. Hold on. Ah. Uh, there we go. All right. Let us pray. Father God, you're an awesome God. Thank you for your patience, your mercy, your grace. Every good and perfect gift you lavish upon us. Many and probably most we're not aware of. But God, uh, I am aware of this book that has your fingerprints all over it. This book that has been preserved uh, throughout the ages against all odds. Uh, God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and spirits that are receptive to your spirit, that we might receive all that you have for us in this passage of scripture this evening. Um, bless those who whose ears are attentive, and we offer ourselves and this time to you, to use as you will, for our good, your glory, we ask it in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. All right, so the best summary is just to just go ahead and read the passage or the epistle from verse 1 down to where we are, verse 20. This is the Tree of Life version, uh, uh, an English translation that has a decidedly Hebrew flair. After all, we're talking about a Hebrew Messiah, Jewish Messiah, and uh, Jewish apostles uh, writing the book. But Jude, Yehuda, Judah, wrote, Judah is slave of Yeshua, the Messiah, the brother of Yaakov, for those who are called, who are loved in God the Father and kept safe for Yeshua, the Messiah. May mercy and shalom be, and love be multiplied to you. Loved ones, though very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I felt it necessary to write to you urging you to continue to contend for the faith which was once for all handed down to the Kedoshim, the holy ones, the saints. For certainly people have secretly slipped in, those who from long ago have been marked out for this judgment. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into indecency and deny our only Master and Lord, Yeshua the Messiah. Now I wish to remind you, though you have come to know all things, that the Lord, once having a saved people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not keep their own position of authority, but deserted their proper place, he is kept in everlasting shackles under glooming darkness until the judgment of the great day. In the same way as these angels, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities around them, 
having, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after a different sort of flesh, are displayed as an example, suffering the punishment of eternal fire. Yet, in the same way, these people also, by their visionary dreaming, defile the flesh, reject the, the Lord's authority, and defame glorious beings. But when Michael the archangel, disputing with the devil, was arguing about the body of Moses, he did not dare render a judgment against him for slander, but said, May the Lord rebuke you. But these people slander what they do not understand, and whatever they do understand, instinctively, like animals without reason, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they, have, for they went the way of Cain, they were consumed for pay in Balaam's error, and in Korah's rebellion they have been destroyed. These people are hidden rocky reefs at your love feasts, shamelessly feasting with you, tending only to themselves. They are waterless clouds, carried, carried along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, doubly dead, uprooted, wild ways of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these people that Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with myriads of his Kedoshim to execute judgment against all. He will convict all the ungodly for their ungodly deeds that they have done in an ungodly way, and for all of the harsh things ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are belly-aching grumblers, following after their own desires. Their mouth speaks grandiose things, showing favoritism for the sake of gain. But you, loved ones, ought to remember the words previously proclaimed by the emissaries of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, how they kept telling you, in the last time there will be scoffers, following after their own ungodly desires. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, not having the Ruach, or the Spirit. But you, loved ones, continue building yourselves up. Okay, on your most holy faith. We were there last week. But you, loved ones, continue building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, eagerly waiting for the mercy of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who are wavering. Save them by snatching out of the fire. But on others have mercy with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Alright. See if I can rig up here. To show you my outline. Bear with me. That's the one I want. All right. Looking at Jude, verses 21 through 23. While I pop out and see what's going on in Viewerville. Hello, people. Twitch person, <laughs> YouTube people, Periscope people, glad you're with me. All right. Jude, verses 21 through 23. This is, whoops, that's, I might want to make that a little smaller so y'all can see it. Okay. There we go. Here's our outline for tonight. We're talking about the importance of relationship, and that's with Messiah, by the way. That it's real relationship, a relationship that's holding hope. And then we're going to look at the immediacy of rescue, uh, discerning the difference between people and then extricating the endangered. All right. I'm a fan of alliteration, as you can tell. 
So, reminding y'all of verse 21 of Jude, this is Tree of Life version. Keep yourselves in the love of God, eagerly waiting for the mercy of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, that leads to eternal life. Now Jude admonishes the reader to keep, keep yourselves in the love of God. And that's um, the importance of relationship, specifically real relationship. You know, faith in Messiah, faith in Christ, faith in Yeshua, Jesus, is, is not a one-and-done thing. It's not like, okay, I walked down the altar, I prayed that prayer, or I got dipped in the tank, and now I'm good to go. Uh, you know, I have my fire insurance, I've got my get-out-of-hell free card, and then I can, you know, I'm good to go. Um, it's not like that. Um Faith, saving faith, is not a one-and-done thing. Yes, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, uh, Paul writes to the Ephesians, By grace you are saved, and through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not anything that we can work toward. It's grace through faith uh, in Messiah. But faith in Messiah is not a one-and-done proposition. And it's not... It's also not a matter of uh, just growing in knowledge, just reading the Bible and knowing more about it and having, you know, learning about doctrine and just learning about spiritual things. Uh, Paul writes to Th Timothy a uh, warning about those uh, who are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, that sounds... Sounds kind of contradictory, right? You're always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, the the knowledge of the truth is, of course, I would even capitalize T there. Yeshua said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, John 14, 6. Um, um, Keeping yourself in the love of Yeshua, the Messiah, is not just about learning facts, not about just learning things, being able to quote uh, chapter and verse. That's great, but it's about relationship. Um, Peter, in his second epistle, writes, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord, Save, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There are two parts there is growing in knowledge but there's also growing in grace and what is that grace well grace is unmerited favor of course and that is um that salvation as paul wrote about in ephesians 2 8 and 9 that by grace you have been saved um grace is um how i think of grace is unmerited favor getting what we don't deserve uh, so Jude telling the audience, keep yourselves in the love of God. And that's an imperative and that's a continual. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Well, what does that look like? I think it's hard to do better than what uh, Messiah himself said, Yeshua. Uh, John chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and, are, and they are burned. That's sobering. The analogy, the people of... Of that day, uh, very familiar with analogy of a vineyard and growing grapes. In fact, um, uh, Yeshua uses that in a parable taken from Isaiah, Yeshiahu. Uh, there's the same parable of the vineyard in which the vineyard is his people Yisrael and, and the landowner is Father God and then who sends his son, the prince, uh, Messiah uh, to basically collect um, of the fruit of the vineyard and is 
cast out and killed uh, eventually. But in this analogy of, of vine and branches, people were familiar with the vineyard and how, you know, uh, there's, there's the main vine that, you know, coming out of the ground and there are these branches that grow off that vine yielding grapes. If, if that branch isn't part of the main vine, it's not going to bear any fruit. In fact, it's going to wither and die. You, know, you can cut it off from there and it's going to wither and die. And, um, and then it, those things are gathered together and thrown into the fire. And in a spiritual sense, there is no growth. There is no fruit production. There's no fruitfulness without being, without abiding in Messiah, in Christ, in Jesus, in Yeshua. That's staying connected with him in relationship, you know, to the extent that the, that grape branch is connected to the grape vine, um, you know, an inter, a, you know, an interactive connectedness. Um, it's not just an association. Uh, he says, abide in me. Um, skipping down later in John chapter 15, the Lord said, as the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Sound familiar? That's what Jude says to his audience. Uh, keep yourselves in the love of God. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And there's a whole sermon's worth of material there. As Yeshua said, he said, do not think that I have come to destroy the law, but fulfill it. And he fulfilled the, the Torah, the law of the Old Testament, all 613 commandments, as much as they applied to him, in, in complete detail, even though they didn't apply to him. Like when he healed lepers, he didn't have leprosy, but he healed lepers. He says, go and show yourself to the priest as Moses commanded, uh, etc. He kept the law. Uh, perfectly. He kept his father's commandments, uh, we find in the Old Testament. And he says, if you keep my commandments, well, what are his commandments? Well, we, we can look in the New Testament and see his commands, especially loving one another. And he said, you know, pray for those who persecute you, uh, etc. And um, you can read the Gospels and see what the commandments of Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, are. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So, Jude's telling us to keep yourselves in the love of God. And how do you do that? By um, uh, keeping keeping the commandments as best as you can. Um uh, you know, the commandments of Christ, um, the commandments of, of Messiah. Not that we're saved by works once again, but it shows love for him. That's how we abide in his love, by doing what he says. Uh, as, as I said, I could bring it up from Matthew chapter 7. He says, but not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, um, uh, shall be saved. And he talks about those who uh, keep his commandments are those like building their house in the rock. The rain came, the winds came, floods, whatever beat upon that house, and, and it stood. And and the one who don't keep his commandments are like those building their house on the sand. That when the wind and the floods and the rain came, come that that house is destroyed, and you know great is its fall. Uh, so abiding, keeping yourselves in love of God is, is abiding in, in the commandments of Messiah. All right, so uh, keep yourselves in the love of God, eagerly waiting for the mercy of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, that leads to eternal life. Um. If we are placing ourselves, um, you know, placing our faith in Messiah for our salvation, then we 
we have received his mercy. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Uh, we are by nature children of wrath, separated from God. But supernaturally, by a spiritual birth, what you call being born again, uh, is born of the Spirit, then we are supernaturally children of God. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 12, I believe, that as many as received him, to them he gave, even to those who believe in his name, he, um, or is it, comes right after, yeah. To as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the authority, the power to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Um, so, um, supernatural birth, uh, becoming children of God is something that happens through faith, uh, believing and receiving uh, the free gift of eternal life offered in Messiah. Uh, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of eternal life, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Uh, that eternal life is a gift in him, and so what we deserve is death, the wages of sin is death, but getting, not getting uh, what we deserve, that's mercy. We deserve death, but we don't get that. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Eternal life is, is a gift of grace. Anyway, so Jude, in addition to says saying, uh, keep yourselves in love with God, he says, eagerly waiting for the mercy of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, that leads to eternal life. So there is mercy that we are recipients of by placing our trust in Messiah, um, believing him, receiving him uh, for eternal life, but there is a mercy yet to come um, in that we will be delivered from the very presence of sin. Uh, Paul puts it this way, writing to uh, Titus. He says, looking for the blessed hope, or the blessed hope, and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, there is, a, there is a, an expectation, um, a hope of mercy to come, that an eagerly waiting, as Jude says, eagerly waiting for the mercy of the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, that leads to eternal life. That not just a hope of heaven... There are many professed believers who have a hope of heaven that is just escaping this life and being in paradise, but don't seem to have an eager, an eager, um, oh, well, this is eagerly waiting, but anticipation, eager longing, there's a good word, <laughs> to be with Yeshua, to be with Jesus, to be with Messiah. Uh, the group, group Silverwind back in the 80s, uh, they had a song, even the one lyric in there I have a problem with. Um, anyway, but the chorus of the song, uh, I think it's called Heaven is Being With You. Maybe I should cue it up. But basically the idea of the chorus of the song is, Heaven is being with you, there's nothing I'd rather do. Um, there is nothing better than loving you forever, Jesus. And one of the verses, a couple of verses, basically say that if if I go to heaven and you're not there, Jesus, then forget it. What's the point? Um, it's not just about eternal life. Uh, it's not eternal life isn't a thing separate of itself. It's not. It's not something that we can a prize that we can take off the shelf or a gift we can take out from under the tree. As I alluded to earlier, Romans chapter 6, verse 13, I believe it's 20, oh, 23, I said 13, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John wrote in his first epistle, um, 1 John chapter 5, I want to say verse 11, verse 12, somewhere around there, that 
Um, um, uh, boy, why don't I just look it up, lest I butcher it. Bear with me, people. First John, chapter 5. Um, verse 11. And I could bring it up on the screen this way. Do this. Well, I'll just read it for you because then my, yeah, I've got my slide presentation and it's hard to switch the screen to this uh, browser. But First um, John chapter 5, verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, past tense, and this life is in his Son. He who, he who has the Son has life. He, do, he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So eternal life isn't a thing, a, a, a gift, a force, a, you know, just living forever. It's not something separate from Messiah. Eternal life is in the Son of God. So the hope that we had, this eagerly waiting for the mercy of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, that leads to eternal life, is not that we're looking for him to appear uh, in the sky so that we can pass him up, he'll point the way to heaven, and we'll go, see ya, <laughs> see you, Jesus, see you, Yeshua, thanks, thanks for pointing the way. No, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Um, eagerly waiting for the mercy, mercy of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, that leads to eternal life, is waiting for him. That's why, again, uh, Paul writing to Titus is looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're not just looking for eternal life. We're not just looking to go to heaven. True believers, those who have a relationship with Yeshua, with the Messiah, with Jesus, with the Christ, um, that two-way relationship, like abiding in the vine, he is the vine, we are the branches, that keep yourselves in the love of God that Jude wrote about, in that relationship, that's what we're looking for. Not just a hope of heaven, but the hope of Messiah himself and and being with him physically, you know, presently in his presence for all eternity. And I'm with those singers of Silverwind. If he's not there, forget it. What's what's the point? Heaven has no point if if Yeshua is not a part of it. Alright. Moving along. Looking at verses twenty two and twenty three. And have mercy on those who are wavering. Save them by snatching them out of the fire. But on others have mercy with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Um, that may be different than your English translation. Uh, the modern King James Version puts it this way. But pity some making distinction. But save others with fear, snatching them out of the fire, hating even the garment, um, having been stained from the flesh. So making distinction, you know, one translator's um, translation is pity some making distinction. Uh, the translators of the Tree of Life version says, have mercy on those who are wavering. Um The in the Greek, which I have somewhere here, verse twenty two, right? Yeah, um, for what some translate, uh, wavering or doubting, um, 
modern King James, J.P. Green put it uh, with, what did he say, with making distinction. Uh, there in the Greek, the word is diakrinomenos, uh, menus. Um, and that, in essence, um, from dia, like um, diagonal or diameter or uh, uh, um, um, kind of like dilemma, it's, it's, it's a, to separate or split. Um, and so, and then the crinus part to withdraw from or oppose. Um, so it can mean to discriminate, but it also can mean to hesitate or wavering. That it's something, you know, putting through, there's there's a split. Either it's the attitude of the individual or it's, you know, the 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 attitude of the individual, the, the circumstance of an individual or the person, um, um, you know, uh, making a distinction. Having mercy on some, diacrinomenos, um, that is a present participle middle voice, accusative, masculine, plural, verb. So, so yeah, it's it's not clear whether it refers to the have mercy on. That's clear. That that's that's in the second person. The 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 it's speaking to the reader. You have mercy on mercy. Doubting or discerning, so so I can see why translators put it different ways. That so it's either those it's having mercy on those who are wavering, or have mercy on people you be discerning. But I think basically what the message the message the Lord has for us here is that Jude his already given us in the verses we read earlier he's given us many ways to to discern or recognize who the false teachers are the false prophets the false apostles and armed with that knowledge and prayerful guidance of the holy spirit remember last week we talked about praying in the holy spirit uh we should discern between the deceitful leaders themselves and the their unwitting followers of uh, being led astray, you know, while while the perpetrators of demonic doctrines um, are determined deceitful enemies of God, cut and dry. We read about you know the fruit fruitless trees in late autumn, doubly dead, uproot, uprooted. It's like it's not like they're led astray or there's a chance for repentance or whatever. They're just they're all out for themselves and taking as many people with them. Just, <laughs> just like Hasatan, just like the adversary himself, just like Satan. Uh, those who end up in his camp, um, um, you know, following his ways of self, self, self. Um, you know, just like him, they're liars, deceivers, and looking to take as many people with them. Um, they're determined deceitful enemies of God. Uh, their pupils, their followers, uh, maybe members of a fellowship, and they're being pulled between, you know, the truth, biblical truth, the you know, true faith, and uh, the deceptive doctrines of these smooth talkers and teachers. So, so armed with the knowledge that Jude gives us about, we looked about, uh, you know, what the motives of these false teachers are, what their M.O., how they operate, etc. Uh, armed with that knowledge and prayerful guidance, Holy Spirit, you know, we need to discern between the, the false teachers and those who are being led astray. And the former, of course, just, reject they're they're like fruitless trees in late autumn doubly dead uprooted 
but the latter should be snatched from the flames. Let me pop out to see if I'm miss any questions, comments, or concerns here. Howdy, hey people. Thanks for hanging in there, but I guess this is just riveting, riveting information here. All right, um, but I want you to notice the urgency in Jew's exhortation. Let me go back to that slide. And have mercy on those who are wavering, or have mercy with discernment. Uh, save them by snatching them out of the fire. And the word there for um, snatching them are pazontes. Same root word where we read in First Thessalonians about what we refer to as the rapture uh, in the church. Um, you know, uh, those who are alive and remain will be caught up. Uh, it's it's to means to snatch. Um, uh, the words of Jesus, um, the that Greek verb is used there when he talks about no one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. That it, it talks about a violent taking. Um, violent, not necessarily mean like causing injury violent, but, but, um, forceful, not casual, just immediate and, and forceful, powerful. Um, uh, Jude says snatching them out of the fire. It's not like they're standing on a slippery floor, you know, where they might fall and get hurt. Uh, those who are wavering or being led astray by false teachers, they're on the very precipice of the fires of hell. Um, they need to be snatched out of the flame. Uh, he doesn't say that that we're, you know, we're, we're supposed to, um, you know, gently persuade them over time. You know, we see someone who's being led astray by false doctrine. They're being taken in by false teaching, the doctrines of demons, false prophets, false apostles, and we see them start to get led that way. It's, it's not a time to go, oh, well, you know, um, maybe, have you considered, well, you know, I don't want to, well, you know, take this, take this, and read it whenever you have time. You can or you cannot, or, you know, just, just it's, it's not important, but just, you know, I'd like you to, no, he says, snatch them, snatch them out of the fire. There's a, that arpazzo, this arpazantes, it's, it's this urgent rescue, it's this extrication of an endangered person um, because they are in danger of of eternal death. Um, did I I put that up in my slide? I did not. All right, we won't do that. But I, as I was studying this, I was reminded of another verse uh, in Galatians chapter six, verse one. Um, Paul writes, "Brethren, if any man is overtaken in any if a man is overtaken in any trespass or caught up or caught in any trespass, idea is like almost like being caught in a web. If someone's entangled in that, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one." In a spirit of gentleness, consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. You think, well, wait a minute, Randall. You're, you're just talking about this urgent snatching, you know, rescuing someone. And not being this, you know, gently persuading them over time. Kind of, There's an urgency here. So, so how, does that, how does that jibe with restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness? The spirit of gentleness talks nothing about urgency. It's not a time thing. It's, it's it's a self thing. It refers to humility. Don't if someone's overtaken and trespassed, and if we read in all these things uh, in Jude, ultimately these false teachers are 
uh, proclaiming a, a gospel of lasciviousness or licentiousness that, 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 you know, this, this hyper grace in which you can do anything at any time, you know, that's all fleshly based, you know, whatever, whatever gives you pleasure, basically, it, it's all good in the sight of God. Says if any man is caught up or ta- overtaken to trespass, you who are spiritual, who know better, you who have been contending earnestly for the faith, who who are keeping, who keep contending earnestly for the faith, to be a little more true to the Greek, going back in the earlier part of this epistle of Jude, those of you who keep contending earnestly for the faith, like that professional athlete preparing for competition, you know, um, for a contest, you're you know that 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 agonizing practice uh you're in the ward you're in relationship you're keeping yourself in the love of god uh in the messiah abiding in him you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness again it's not about the time it's about humility don't go into that situation maybe they're overtaken in some whatever that false teaching is it's all about ultimately comes back to their pleasure whether it's pursuit of sex, money, drugs, whatever it is, that somehow, you know, falls under the grace of God. It says, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering if there's any doubt what spirit of gentleness means, comma, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So there's still an urgency. There is still an urgency to pull that one, snatch them out of the flames, but not with some attitude that, oh, I'm spiritual, I'm above this, I can't be tempted. No, this is, um, this is, this is, you know, a a sensitive operation here. Uh, as Jude writes, you know, snatching them out of fire, uh, h- hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So it's not an attitude of spiritual superiority or, you know, this, I'm, I'm above this stuff. Uh, it's like the, the, the temptations of the flesh, especially when wrapped in spiritual language, um, can be extremely tempting and deceitful. When you recognize that, that someone is being led astray by that, be urgent about it and snatching them from the flames, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. It was like, oh, well, you fell into that. I wouldn't do It's just, no, sin is sin. And, you know, I've often heard the complaint about people wearing a crucifix with the Lord on it, with Yeshua, with Jesus on it. And they think, well, he's no longer on the cross. He's off the cross. Okay. I get the sentiment, but I think, I think, um, just like, um, that song we're listening to by, um, Daryl. Can't think of his last name, but, uh, have you forgotten speaking about nine 11, uh, you know, he said he basically if had his way, he'd show the two towers, uh, being World Trade Center towers being crashed in planes every day. So we'd be reminded of the horror of it, you know, the seriousness of it. And a similar, well, I think, I think the Roman Catholics have that part right in having, uh, the man upon the cross that we see the seriousness of sin as in John chapter three, um, Yeshua said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And if you're familiar with the story um, of Moses lifting up the serpent, the the children, well, the, the children of Israel, the people of the Exodus were out there and had fallen into sin. And as a consequence of their sin, they were being bitten, bitten by these uh, poisonous snakes. And God says to Moses, make a serpent of brass, and brass is always a symbol of judgment uh, in the Bible. Uh, make the serpent of brass and put it on a pole, and to this day it's still used as a as a symbol in many practices of medicine, the serpent on the pole, because of the healing properties. 
Anyway, it says, lift this up, and whoever looks to it will be healed. And so what was that snake? But uh, this bronze serpent, this bronze snake, was a picture of judgment and a picture of their sin. Their sin being judged. And they had to look up and recognize it for what it was. And those who did that would be healed. And Yeshua, Jesus said, you know, as, as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And as he hung upon that cross, he was enduring the judgment for our sin. And seeing that, a uh, man beaten beyond recognition, as Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 53, um, um, being disfigured, disjointed, because uh, part of crucifixions, having your shoulders dislocated, and pectoral muscles pressing your lungs, and with a crown of thorns, and and flogged and beaten and bruised. It'd be good for us to look at that with some regularity, to realize the seriousness of sin, our sin being judged on the cross. And so, no doubt why Jude says, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh, anything related to that flesh of which that person was falling into of whom was the person snatched out of the fire having mercy on them with fear you know hating even the garment defiled by everything connected to that not just the sin that they were in but the but the remnants of it, you know, the, the, the souvenirs and the relics of that sin ought to be just despised. And um, I think of Joseph, Joseph, the son of Jacob, uh, you know, when the Potiphar's wife, the Egyptian, had caught him and tried to drag him into bed with her, that he fled out of the house <laughs> naked, basically. And hey, if that's that's what it takes to get away from that, that's what it takes. So we're after the top of the hour here. I'm gonna pop on out to the interwebs again. Yeah, I see y'all out there viewing, but for some reason I'm not getting any comments. I don't know if they're just not showing up or nobody feels like talking tonight. Am I that? I am a I can be a conversationalist. I wouldn't say I am a conversationalist. I love to listen to people more than anything, so I would read your comments if they were there, but y'all are pretty quiet tonight. Alright. So uh the next part of Jude, um, verse twenty-four, there's a change in, in content. There's this the doxology as it's known, or there's this hymn, uh, well, it's to God, but it also speaks of our position in God. Anyway, the flavor of the epistle changes there, so I'm going to save that for next week. Uh, verses 24 and 25, very good stuff there. And um, so, Lord willing, that's where we're, where I will be and we'll be together but if he takes one or all of us home in the meantime, that's okay. As long as it's home to be with the Lord Yeshua. So thanks for joining me tonight. I hope um, you learned something from this. Um, if so, or you have things, thoughts of your own to share, please do that in the comments below. Well, on Periscope, you can't do that. You can do that on Facebook and YouTube, and I don't know about Twitch. Can you comment on Twitch on the replay? I don't know. Um, we just broadcast there, people. I don't, I don't watch there, so I should know, but I don't know. So, on those platforms where you can leave comments, uh, you know, share your thoughts and um, you know observations in those comments. So remember, people, to be bold, to stand up, and to go with God because he loves you. 
And uh, we'll catch you again, Lord willing, uh, this coming Friday evening for another episode of Bible News. Oh, I should have. Oh, and I've got the. I had the call in number there. We in the in the ticker. I don't know if anybody called in, but I didn't have that open tonight. Maybe that's why you weren't coming. Everybody's trying to call in and. I need to take that out. That was just for last night. Totally forgot about it. But what you will see in the ticker there are some uh, important things about uh, you can give to BibleNewsRadio.com at BibleNewsRadio.com to our nonprofit, which is Heart Tug International. It's a tax-deductible gift for you. Do that at uh, BibleNewsRadio.com and look for the give item. And if you're into essential oils, you can say 10% with coupon code John316 at sparknaturals.com. If you want to worry less and live more, you can sign up for Legal Shield and ID Shield at bit.ly forward slash LOJ2019. Uh, there's a comment, but I wanted to remind you that uh, forget the call-in number there. That's that's not active right now. You'll just get voicemail. But... Uh, to be in the know about what's going on, updates, contests, more, text Bible News, one word, to 33222, two threes, three twos. Text term Bible News, SMS message, to uh, 33222. All right, with that, be bold, people. Stand up and go with God because he loves you. Good night. Goodbye.